0: This is Haley Beebe, the CarbLine Color Admin. Welcome to the CarbLine Tech Service Podcast, the go-to industrial coatings podcast. Here are your hosts, Jack Walker and Paula James.
1: Hey, Paul. So here we are again with another adventure in the CarbLine Tech Service Podcast. Things haven't changed very much.
0: No, they sure haven't. We're still, just as a general update from Carboline, our last update we got a couple days ago, we're still functioning at about 99% right now. So generally pretty healthy and most people are still available to uh, do their normal job.
1: Yeah. And so we're doing this series here where we're talking about different cost factors that can influence a high-performance codings project. And last week we talked about moving into talking about different coding technology. However... We kind of need to establish how we compare that different coding technology. That's right, Jack. One of the things we wanted to look at
0: is we know that in the Service Life of Codings document that we've been talking about and referencing, a lot of the comparative information that they use is... The references of C2, C3, C5, as far as a corrosiveness category goes for atmospheric corrosion. And that comes from an ISO document, ISO 12944. It's a pretty big and, and complex document. It's actually, it's a series of documents. So we thought, let's refresh everybody's memories on what we use in the United States, which is probably our most similar document to this one. And to be able to refresh your memory there before we jump into next week, talking seriously about what is in that ISO 12944 document. And after we've looked at how do we get these numbers, then we can start comparing what those numbers are and what they mean.
1: Yeah, so it's a brief pause on the cost side of the talk, but we wanted to be able to make sure that you guys understood the different phrases and things that we'd be using throughout the conversation. So we had a discussion with the head of our testing department steve Liebhart, and we discussed astmb 117 and that is salt spray and, and salt spray is kind of a antiquated and old test but it is a comparison and that's we talk about this test how it's used and why it's used in this episode
0: then next week like i said we'll get into one two nine four four and then we'll jump back into how those tests all relate and factor into determining the cost of the system.
1: All right. We hope you guys are doing good out there. Stay safe. And here's our episode from before. Who we have joining us is Steve Leepart, and he is the manager of our testing, applications, and analytical group. So, Steve, hi.
2: Welcome to the show. Hi. Thanks, Jack.
1: Let's move on to what we wanted to talk about. And actually, that's uh, soapbox day for me. This is the reason we brought Steve in today. And then the reason why we started with the introduction to marketing, because one of my responsibilities for content is to generate content for social media. And we have great case histories and stuff of the past. And I used an image that's very familiar to Carboline people through the years. It comes from a very famous white paper. And I put up an image that showed... Uh, An epoxy coating, galvanizing, and inorganic zinc, and what they look like after certain hours under B117 salt spray testing. So, for anybody who's not familiar, ASTM
0: B117 is the standard practice for operating salt fog or salt spray apparatus.
1: So, why we wanted to bring Steve in is he runs our testing department. And he, any of these tests that we do at CarbLine are done by him and his team. So what I want to say, though, here is, to me, it's not about the specific test. What happened is we had several commenters come in and mention that B117 Salt Fog isn't realistic to real life. I was going to let somebody else chime in. Yeah, let
2: me me chime (laughs) in for a second, Jack. First of all, I mean, so... I'm I'm not going to bore you with all the specific details of the B117 testing. That's okay? good cuz you don't
1: want a car wreck on your conscience. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: No, that that's true, but, you know, uh, the, the comment that was made uh, for the most part is true. I mean, it doesn't exactly correlate to to the real world, okay? But it's basically, you know, the ASTM B117 test is is, you know, one of the oldest, most widely recognized and standardized accelerated corrosion tests out there, okay? So this thing has been around for well what's been a long time I believe the the b117 was published back in like 1939 so a lot of historical data out there okay for for b117 testing and it basically provides you know a highly corrosive environment that that allows for you to uh, you know evaluate the corrosion resistance of materials you know which include metals with surface treatments and, and coatings on the top of them or which would also include galvanizing so basically the key is to do this corrosion type of test in a standardized environment that would evaluate the corrosion resistance of these materials or provide a corrosion rate of these materials. And while it may not correlate directly to the real world, it's very standardized, it's repeatable, it's reproducible, and the highly corrosive environment is essentially allows you to, to rank materials. Okay. So So it's correlation to the real world, is probably best understood that whatever performs best in the salt fog cabinet would likely perform best in the real world. Now, the time correlation and duration that it's in the salt fog and what that means in terms of the real world corrosion resistance, you know, this is, this is not understood at all.
0: That's really exactly what the point of this test is, is it allows us to take a coating, if this was done back in the 30s, we can take a coating system that was used in the 30s and compare it to a coating system that was used almost a hundred years later, a coding system, and we can say, here's how these two compare to each other.
1: It has nothing to do with the world. Well, yeah, it's, it's a benchmark. If we go back to the first laboratory class any of us ever took in, in science, and, and you know probably it might have been high school biology, most likely, even if it was high school chemistry, you'll learn about the need for a control. That's right. That's exactly what and, this and, allows and, and, you to have. It's a
2: very controlled environment.
1: And so now you have that constant. Yep. And, and, the, and so when you think about setting up your initial lab test, you have that constant, that control, and that's the environment in this case. And then your variables are the different coatings and surface sealers and things like that that you would put into that testing. And yes, it doesn't correlate real world because... How many places on the planet really have that kind of
2: environment? There might be a, <laughs> there might be a few places on the planet that actually mimic that environment. But, you know, again, it's, it's not very realistic. There's a lot of differences in weathers and everything else around the globe, of course. So just to bore you for one moment on the standardized control portion of that, you know, that B117 standard, I believe, is like, you know, 17 pages long yeah. or something like this. So there's a lot of detail in there to provide that standardization and that consistency of that, all things from like measuring the pH of the collection solutions, measuring the collection rates themselves. So your fogging rate's correct. You're mm-hmm. actually supposed to do corrosion rate studies of known materials in the cabinet to, mm-hmm. to make sure that it's all consistent within. So to Paul's point, you know, a hundred years ago, you have a coating that you've got, you know, thousands of hours of B117 test data on, you know, you can test a product that was developed, uh, you know, A few weeks back and and get some similar type of data, you know? Because the real thing, we don't want to wait
1: decades. No, and that's the thing. Like, if we develop a new product, the only way to mimic the real world is to put it out in the real world. And we do that. Yeah. But... You can't collect that data.
2: We make products that are lasting 20, 30 years out there in the real world. So you can't wait 20 or 30 years to develop new products and see how well they're going to last and find out, well, one lasted 17 years. The other lasted 22 years. We're going to start selling this one because we can see the the benefit that it (laughs) provides the customer. You can't do that. I
1: mean, could you imagine the reaction of our parent company, RPM, if we said, you know that coding we developed back in the 80s? I think we're finally ready to release it. <laughs> yeah. All right, Paul, and we have a couple housekeeping things to uh, get in order here. Uh, coming up in theory is the NACE Corrosion 2020. That'll be happening in Houston June 14th through 18th. Like I said, in theory, theoretically, That's Paul, right. Paul and I will be there doing podcasts, bringing you more content that you love. But we'd also like... To take a minute and tell you a little bit about Sanital 755FR.
0: That's right, Jack. Sanital 755FR is a fiber-reinforced epoxy coating for walls, ceilings, and basically anywhere where you have concrete, CMU, or steel surfaces that you're looking to smooth out and create a more uniform appearance
1: let's not forget drywall either, because if you remember back to YouTube, you saw what Paul and I did with a fastball and some 755FR in a sheet of drywall. So it makes everything really hard. Basically anywhere that you can think of where the walls need to be protected from any kind of impact or need any kind of resistance to fungal uh, growth. This is your product, Sanital 755FR, brought to you by Carbolite. So, I mean, yes, there are other standards that get a little bit closer, you know, there's weatherometer and, and some cyclic testing where you try to mimic. But, like, ultimately...
2: Well, what, 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 what really plays a significant role here, though, is the acceleration factor. You're exactly. trying to accelerate these tests so you don't have to wait that long. So the holy grail, if you will, is to provide the accelerated test result that most closely correlates to the real world. And, and again, the, the way you do that best is to have some exceptional case histories of products that you happen to have all of this accelerated test Mm data on as well to try to provide some of that direct correlation and then compare that to all things that are similar and, and theorize that they're going to behave the same, which in a lot of cases they do. And you should almost look at
1: the individual tests as like their own kind of ruler. We are just taking a measurement. So you shouldn't be comparing b117 directly to any of the other accelerated tests they're all pieces of the puzzle but if you're talking strictly about comparing two products you should be looking at the same standardized test because like we've said on this podcast a million times before every little thing matters i didn't even get into the fact of most test samples no matter what test you put into them aren't real world either because they're done in a lab (laughs) environment to perfectly prepared panels with not an ounce of dust i mean you want to talk about pain in the butt and not real world steve what level do you guys have to go to to make sure there
2: isn't dust on your testing panels prior to coding application well we we do struggle <laughs> with that sometimes you know getting all the dust off the panels i mean you know the point of that from a laboratory standpoint is obviously to minimize and eliminate as many variables as possible so even that statement alone okay how how well do our test panels correlate to the real world well uh, there's a lot of variability out there in the real world, and I assume that people are actually getting their substrate as clean as we do in in most cases. But but there's a lot of cases where they don't.
1: Yeah,
0: and... but that's because Steve works in the lab. Uh, Steve
1: and... does work <laughs> in the lab. That's right. <laughs> so. I mean, and, and that's the thing. Like, we're always gonna put our best foot forward when we do these tests, just like most contractors should do. However, when you remove yourself from a situation where you're Applying panels, you know, these testing coupons, a lot of times, especially for immersion, are, are two inches by five inches. It's really significantly easier for an applicator to make two inches by five <laughs> inches perfect as comparison to a whole entire tank. And so you're getting the best case scenario when you get these performance standards. And that's not just Carbaline, that is every manufacturer that tests coatings. And if they tell you otherwise, they're not being truthful. Right. Because B117 tells you what
0: you need to do. Yeah, And if you are going to actually prepare a sample and put it into this test, everybody should have done the same thing. And that, w- that really allows you to compare products to each other. Everybody should be going through the same painstaking task to make sure their profile is right, their cleanliness is right, their cabinet is set up properly, and fogging at the right resistance with the right chemicals, mixture at the right rate. So that really is what allows us to do it. That's why it's a benchmark, that's why it's a standard. Yeah. It's not a world, it's a standard.
2: <laughs> well, and that, and that, is, that is important to, to try to, again, eliminate as much variability as possible. I've seen a lot of comparative studies over the years in, in just B117 uh, testing. And if you're testing multiple different, you know, products and and multiple different suppliers' materials and everything else, it's always agreed that the best-case scenario is to have all of the application work done, you know, at the same time, at the same place, to eliminate uh, any of those variables, cleanliness, surface profile, thicknesses, you know, all, all of that stuff. So that is important.
1: And that's why we preach on this thing regularly that every little thing matters with or without paul singing
2: the police <laughs>
1: see and i didn't even get
0: the 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 little remix
1: help oh uh, we, we can work on that
2: <laughs> but you know you can also i mean you 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 can put standardized test panels in in the salt fog cabinet you can you know we've had plenty of customers send us in samples of, of their materials you know prepared at their shops with with different products you know whether it's different products of our own or or other materials they want to understand the value in the product that they're buying and and one quick way to do that is to spray up you know numerous different samples throw them in the salt fog cabinet see which one of them comes out looking the best and then theorize that that one's gonna perform the best in the real world and that's generally what what winds up happening
1: so all of these things should be always considered as a measurement as a goal you know one of the things that we talk about and we're gonna wrap it up here but when People call in, you know, we see it more frequently with adhesion. Somebody will be doing an adhesion pool in the field, and they'll get a different result than what is published. And we always have to remember that all of those variables that Steve talked about will have an effect on your final result from your testing. So yes, we would expect you to get a different number as far as adhesion goes if you're doing Field applied work with a different apparatus than we used because there's multiple app apparatuses. So it's kind of the same thing with salt fog in a lot of these tests. You're going to test to a certain point. You're going to have numbers that are representative, but those numbers aren't the end all be all as far as corrosion resistance. It's here's a measurement that we took in the lab, and this is what we got. For everybody, no yeah, no matter and, and, who and that it,
2: is. Even within those lab tests too, Jack. Especially with uh, ASTM standards, for example, most people may be aware, but I don't know how often they look at this when they're comparing results. There's a R and R section in there for you know repeatability, reproducibility. Okay, you can see within the standard itself, the the reproducibility might be 25 percent, meaning that if you're looking at four pieces of data. And and none of them differ by twenty five percent, you know, that could all be well within the accuracy of the standard itself. So yeah.
1: outside of the standard that means that the those numbers don't really mean anything. It is literally within the world of that standard.
2: Yeah, on a comparative basis. Yeah.
1: So with
0: that, I think I'm gonna pull the soapbox out from under Jack, make him come back down.
1: Okay. <laughs> As we wrap up today's podcast. Well then oh. So, you want me to calm down and wrap up the show? Oh, that's where I was headed. <laughs> okay. So, every science experiment, you have to have a control and you have to have variables. In the case of B117, the control is the environmental exposure, the variables are the different coatings and panels that you would expose to that. It is a measurement, so you're going to use it in comparison to other things that have gone through this same testing. You can use it historically because it's been around for a long time. It is generally accepted by every coding manufacturer. If it is a product that you're going to put out into the world, it has been tested to B117 because that is the... Longest running, universally accepted, accelerated test, and we have to accelerate the tests. Otherwise, we would just now be introducing coatings from the 1980s, right? We'd just now be bringing Carbazene 11 to the market. No matter how much our IT department wants to live in that era, it is 2019. (laughs) And with that, I leave you shot. That is that is a shot straight across the brow, and I I stand by it. So. Anyway, they're not going to listen, so they're not going to hear it. So with that, that about does it for us. (laughs) We'll see you next
0: week. And so for the CarbonLine Tech Service Podcast, I'm Paul.
1: And I'm Jack. And we'd like like to to thank you for for your your support.
2: support.